in this rider, seven deadly sins, truth if it becomes a weapon against persons. You know, that's a powerful statement. You know, if it becomes a weapon, that's what they do in these countries. They use what they perceive as truth and uh, make it a weapon. That's why as much as we believe that we understand the Bible, we're thankful that we live in a country where you can worship God according to your own heart. Because if it was not so, we probably wouldn't be in power. And so I'm glad that people can worship. Another thing is beauty if it becomes vanity. Love if it becomes possessive. You ever known anybody that was just possessive? Uh, I'm talking about that, that's a dangerous quality. Loyalty if it becomes blind, careless trust. Tolerance if it becomes indifference. There's one thing to be intolerant, but I don't want to be indifferent to what's happening. Self-confidence if it becomes arrogance, and faith if it becomes self-righteous. And so once again, you can have good things and use them for the wrong way. If you have your Bibles tonight, I want to turn to Hebrews. And uh, can y'all hear me out there? Okay, okay. Well, I can barely hear myself. I'm glad. I don't guess I'm gonna be yelling tonight. But uh, Hebrews, the sixth chapter, verse one, says, "Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on into perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms and of the laying on of hands." and of resurrection of the dead, and an eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permit. Bless you, you may be seated. Uh, we obviously uh, are not supposed to just come to God, and even as wonderful as the experience is, you know, we say it all the time, but it is your birth certificate. It's not your graduation diploma when you come to God. And if we do not get a firm foundation, uh, we're going to be in trouble. And, of course, a lot of times you'll hear somebody's foundation. I know my brother-in-law, them, they bought a house in Shreveport. Well, I guess it's been 20 years ago. And after they'd been there a little while, they had to pay somebody some pretty big bucks to come out there because the foundation wasn't right. And they tried to fix the foundation. It's expensive to try to fix it after you pour the foundation. And that's why when we come to God and new people come to God, it's so important that they get a firm foundation. Matter of fact, this is what causes people problem is when they do not get a firm foundation because the building will not stand. And so uh, in this scripture that we read here, when he said, therefore, leaving the principles, he didn't mean forsaking the principles. He meant we've already mastered two plus two is four. We already understand, you know, uh, six times six is 36. In other words, that is what we're building on. That does not mean we forsake that because obviously that is the very fundamental thing. And, of course, in verse 3, this is an interesting scripture. It says, and this we will do if God permits. Do you understand that you're here because God has permitted you to be here tonight? You're in the church because God permitted you to be in the church. 
many are called, but few are chosen. And that scripture, you know, however you want to look at it, and I believe that, that it's for whosoever will, but there's a lot of inferences in the Bible that there are certain people that's chosen of God. And you ought to be humbled that God has chosen you to be in the kingdom of God. You, you ought to feel grateful in your heart that of all the masses of people that's living today, over 6 billion, here we are. And um, if you was in Brandon, Mississippi, and didn't know nothing about no church, and of course we've got a few of y'all that was in that situation, how are you going to find God? There's churches on every corner. You know, how are you going to really find where you're supposed to go? And, of course, I do believe if you'll be sincere that God will lead and guide you. I've got to believe that. If God has called you and chosen you, and if you'll be open-hearted, that God will deal with you. But after you come to God, and after you experience what we call the fundamental things, uh, uh, we are supposed to grow in the Lord. I'm not supposed to be what I was 20 years ago. I'm supposed to be better. Got the new Herald today, Pentecostal Herald, and boy, they are doing a good job on that Herald. They've really revamped that thing. And one of the things it was talking about was uh, anger and people dealing with anger. And y'all know that's one of my personal things that I, I do believe we need to work on because it's such a problem for all of us it is a fleshly thing but it's a great article you you need to read that article because after i come to god i should not be as quick to anger as i was 23 years ago just like i shouldn't have no desire to want to get drunk tonight see because that desire now the truth is i have to live with my own spirit and I understand that, once again, it's easier in some ways to conquer the outside things. You quit drinking long enough, and you don't miss it. You quit doing anything long enough, and I'm telling you, if you'll stay away from that environment, it won't pull on you much. But when you're living with something, when it is a tendency or it's just a human thing that you have to deal with, it's a constant battle uh, that is going on. And so uh, we are supposed to go deeper in the Lord. And so I would ask you the question tonight. You need to examine yourself. Where do you stand with the Lord? Am I still having to have milk all the time? Am I still having to have somebody, you know, always, it's always got to be inspirational. It's always got to be what's in it for me. It's always got to be, well, I didn't get a blessing or they didn't sing a song I like or, or I didn't like what or who or what was preaching. In other words, what, what's the deal? Is it all about me? And so hopefully as we begin to grow, we begin to understand it's about the kingdom of God. And as we have said before, I believe there's time that God designs a service just for one person. That there's one person there either that needs the Holy Ghost or one person that is just about overcome with either temptation or trials of life. And God would have us as the body to be sensitive and to understand that it's not all about me. That it's not about what, what as John Kennedy said, it's not what 
you know, the country can do for you, but what can you do for the country? It's a mature person that begins to understand that. And so uh, there are some fundamental things, of course, uh, I've said this a lot of times, and I need to say it more, though. I'm afraid we're not having enough repentance uh, in our, in not just in new people, in ourselves. You need to live a repentant life, a constant searching of your soul, a constant searching of your motives and of your desires. But when people first come to God, uh, some of them think repentance is just being sorry. And it's not just being sorry. He that forsaketh his sins. See, if you try to cover your sin, you're not going to prosper. But not only are you sorry, you've got to turn from that sin. And so we're living in a world today, a Christian quote, unquote, world out here today, that they don't hear, they don't say much about repentance. And even, even in the charismatic movement today, they're emphasizing talking tongues, talking tongues. And nobody's more of a tongue talker than we are. But I'm going to tell you, until the old man is dead, you can't be born again. And so we need to understand that it's still a matter of repentance, and it really is an attitude. That's what I was saying Sunday. I woke up that morning, and somehow my attitude towards sin and my attitude toward God had changed. I, I wished I could understand. I wish there was a formula I could tell somebody, if you'll do this, this, and this, that's what will happen. Now, I, I can't give you that. All I know is when I woke up, I felt that godly sorrow that you need to understand when you sin. You're not sinning against your wife or your husband or your boss or against anybody. You are sinning against God. See, if we would ever truly get that concept. And so God sees us all the time. Now, here's the deal. We think about God some of the time when we're in church. But a lot of the times when we're not in church, you ever just feel the pull of the world? It's just bright and light, and you, you know, you're thinking about everything. It's like you look up at stars, and you think, well, surely there's a God, but, but you don't feel that presence. You see, when I really have the fear of the Lord, I understand that it's not just here, that I need to walk in a way that would be pleasing unto God all the time. And, of course, once again, that's, that's maturity. It's been a little while since I told you, but I... You know how kids will, you know, they'll have a tendency to not tell it like it is. Old Brett, that time he was about three years old, and we told him he couldn't get up till he cleaned his plate. And that's what mom always told me, and I obeyed my mama. And, uh, but, uh, and Cindy said, Brett, did you eat all that hamburger? He said, yes, but don't go look in the trash can. Well, <laughs> you know, needless to say, uh, that was kind of a tip-off there. And so sometimes we, we act like the Lord doesn't see what's in the trash can. We act like the Lord doesn't see my motive and my desires. And so we're thankful that the foundation is repentance. The foundation is baptism in Jesus' name. Aren't you thankful for the revelation of the baptism of Jesus' name? I'm going to tell you, we ought to still be excited about that revelation. There's a world out there that does not think it matters. They don't think it matters how you baptize. 
They, they, they don't think it matters at all, and yet what is going to put us in a place that sometime right now we're, we're in a good place. I was talking to Byron's dad Monday at the hospital. He said, you know, I saw on, I can't remember whether he's one of the news TV shows, he, Dateline, or he didn't know which one it was, that the United Pentecostal Church, they had an article in the United Pentecostal Church, that it was the fastest growing religion around the world. And that the, and I don't mean it's the wrong way, but that the Pope was fired up about it because we were winning a bunch of people in South America. Because, you see, they don't have all the conveniences we have. And so here come our missionaries preaching divine healing and people's being healed. And by the masses, people are coming to the oneness movement. See, just because we don't see it here, I'm telling you, there is a great move going on around the world. But it kind of shocked me when he said that, that, that they had an article on this on a TV program talking about the United Pentecostal Church. And so we need to understand, folks, to have the revelation of the name of Jesus. You ought to thank the Lord for that every day. That is a foundational block right there that is laid in our lives. And then to understand the essentiality of having the Holy Ghost, not just a spare tire, not, not a prayer language. I, I, I had a man come by last week here at the church, and, and I'm sure he meant well. He wanted to ask my opinion about this book he had written. And he's calling it the language of love, Brother Adcock. And uh, he said, you know, there's different kind of love or different kind of talk. He said, there's, there's the way you talk to your dog. Then there's the way you talk to a baby. Then there's the way you talk to your spouse. He said, and then there's the way you talk to God. And that talking in tongues, he said, I'm going to try to write a book that won't be offensive he said, what do you think about it? I said, well, I had never really given any thought. I said, I always teach it on a doctrinal vein. See, it's not a prayer language. This receiving the Holy Ghost is not a prayer language. Now, talking in tongues is that a fine. But I want you to know, I, I was a little concerned because he's supposedly trying to, to get them to the real message, but he's going to identify it just as that you've just got a prayer language. Well, that is what the charismatics say, that you've got this personal prayer language. Well, I want you to know, when you get the Holy Ghost, that's not a prayer language. That's being born of the Spirit. And so if you understand that, you are blessed today. We're, we're not saying this is a prayer language. I'm glad that I have the Spirit of Jesus Christ, and it tells us if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you're none of His. That's not what I said. That's what the Bible says. And so uh, there are many different doctrines, uh, uh, and so it didn't say, uh, use the term uh, in John 3 and 5, Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Uh, he's not using the word uh, their baptism, but that is the baptism of water and spirit that, that as you study that out. And so then, of course, he mentioned about the laying on of hands. Jesus went about praying for people, and they were healed. I'm glad we still practice that. I believe that it's not, this is just regular old Pompeian. Is that how you say it there, Brother Shane? Where you get that at, Brother Shane? The grocery store. This is not magic oil. It's faith in the Word of God. If any be sick, let them call for the elders and they'll anoint with oil. 
In other words, it's not that there's magic. That water back there is not magic water. It's faith that when you have repented of your sins, that you're obeying the word of God. And we usually say, upon the profession of your faith, I now baptize you. The water is not magic. And that's why I'm telling you, if a person hasn't repented, baptism in heaven. You've got to repent first. And so I'm glad that I understand that. And then, of course, uh, one of the most startling things, Jesus, of course, was the resurrection because they had some people that believed in the resurrection and some that didn't believe in the resurrection. Well, obviously, Jesus was on the side of believing in the resurrection. And I'm glad that I believe in the resurrection. I believe that I'm going to live again. This Actually, these are just bars of bone here that we're seeing. That your spirit is eternal. It is immortal. Uh, it's going to live forever. And I'm glad that I believe in that. And then, though, he did say, and this is where a lot of people still don't like to, to hear it today. We read it in verse 2. Uh, it says, of the doctrine of baptism and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. There is an eternal judgment. Garner Ted Armstrong, you know, believed in annihilation of the wicked. And I'll be truthful with you, I wished I could believe annihilation of the wicked. You lived a bad life and you didn't get right with God. You just burn up. You just dead. It was over with. I, I, I would like to believe that. But that I can't find that in the Bible myself. We are going to stand before God. And there's going to be judgment upon the life that we have lived. We ought to think about that every day, actually. What am I putting in the bank, as it were? What am I depositing? Uh, what is the record of my day? I wonder if we flashed up on the wall there, every place you went today, everything you did today, everything you thought today. Well, would we really want it up there on the wall? Well, if we don't, we need to repent. You see, I need to understand that God's recording it all. He knows the beginning from the end. And God doesn't just measure me by what I do. He said, if I look on a woman to lust after her, I'm guilty of adultery. Wow, you talking about in the society that we live in today? You better be praying. You better be trying to live a holy life because Hollywood has made everything uh, unbelievable available today that I've got to stay focused on Jesus Christ. And so here we are in this society, and yet we're going to give an account, the Bible says, great and small. The Bushes are, the Clintons are, the Kings are, and you are. We're going to stand before God. And, and I, I wish we could go as a church. I've said this before. I wish we'd just take everybody and we could all just kind of go together and scoot up there in front of the throne and say, Lord, you got to let us all in or nobody. And the Lord's not willing that anybody should perish and, and he'd see the two or three that's really been faithful and diligent. Hallelujah. And say, I'm going to have to let you all in. But it's not. you talking about feeling lonely. You ever get sent to the principal's office? I've heard about people that got sent to the principal's office <laughs> and how it was a long walk to the principal's office. And it was a long walk home because my daddy had a rule that if you got one at school, you got one when you got home. I never did really seem equitable to me. 
You know, I thought I paid the crime at at school, but he didn't see it that way. And, of course, my dad was on the school board there for several years, and so he thought it was a bad example if I had to go. And so I, I didn't go a lot there. I really didn't. I, uh, I'm not saying I didn't ever go. But it was a bad feeling. And you know what? I was guilty every time I went. Not one time did they call me up there and, you know, accuse me of, throwing gum in somebody's hair or, you know, we, we, we took, you know, eat those little candy, they call them kits or something. They're, you don't see them much anymore, but they made perfect little things to shoot with rubber band. <laughs> and man, you could just plop them there, you know, and, and every time I was there, boy, has, has the life changed, Brother Shane? See, that, that's what was going on when I was in high school. Now they're carrying knives and guns and who knows what, you know, think about it. And uh, there wasn't any dope, really, until I was about a senior in high school. You know, when you look back at what has transpired in our society, it's scary. But I remember going in there, and, of course, he always gave us the, the old, now, boys, if you lie to me, you're going to get twice as many. If you'll just fess up, it won't go as bad. But somehow or another, I always thought I could put it over on him, but. But you know what? I, I never, I never could. They always had a witness, you know, somebody ratting you out or something, you know, you know, some teacher claiming they'd seen me, you know, and uh, then then know I was gonna marry into a bunch of teachers here. But anyway, uh, but yet it was a scary feeling, and I, I'm thankful I, I should have had to go to court a few times in my life. I, I've never had to go to court, but I've been to court with a few people. And I'm gonna tell you. It's really kind of a scary thing. Uh, I'm going to tell you, when you're guilty of uh, the law, and I, I, I'll tell young people in a heartbeat, you don't want to mess with the law. Even if you don't live for God, you better stay away from the law. The law don't have any mercy. See, the law sees so much of the bad and, and so much of the promising to do better, so much of people converting while they're in jail, then they don't change when they get out that they just don't have mercy anymore. And I've been with a few people uh, that when it could have been a serious thing, and in a time or two it's been a serious thing and didn't turn out right. But there, there's this scary feeling that comes upon you because you're thinking somebody could go to jail. What's it going to be like, though, when you stand before the Almighty God? You know, and the fact that everything, in other words, there won't be any mistakes. See, you know, there's there's a few innocent people in Parchman, probably. You know, probably not very many. They all claim they're innocent, but there's probably a few. But you know what? There won't be anybody innocent in hell. Won't be anybody wrongly put to the wrong place. And so here we are. We've got this foundation. And the reason I wanted to go over those few basic things, we need to, this is a serious thing, folks. Living for God is a serious thing. I'm thankful for the joy of the Lord. I'm thankful for, for the spirit that God has given me and that I enjoy living for him. But I need to remember somewhere in the back of my mind that I am going to give an account for my life. I've told you my mama used to send us to the grocery store, and, of course, she'd give you the exact change. I'm not kidding. She'd 12 items, and she'd give you $8.72. She'd figure the tax in there, and, and she had it right. Now, Daddy maybe might give you a $10 bill if it was $8.72. 
But I want you to know when you got home, he wanted to receive. <laughs> and he wanted to see the change. There wasn't none of this, you get to keep the change. You know, it was a privilege to go to the grocery store. My daddy, everything was a privilege. You know, you get to go to school. You get to take out the trash. You get to wash the dishes. You get to hang clothes up on the clothesline. And, and, and so you got to do those things. And actually, you know what? I, I'm thankful that really because I think that helped get my positive mental attitude that I have on life. Instead of it being a negative and a down thing, hey, there's some people that would love to be able to go out and put clothes on the clothesline nowadays. They can't do it. And so, but as we, he was saying, these are fundamental things. If I don't have an understanding and live my life based on this, and ultimately everybody in life, you, you develop some rules you're going to live by. Whether you think about it or not, it may be subconscious. Uh, and I've known people that had bad rules to live by. I've known people that if I don't think I'll get caught, I'll do it. You know, I've known people like that. But as we go through life, we, we start having a foundation of, of what are we going to be and what are we going to believe. And, and so we, though, are not supposed to stop just because we have those foundational things and we understand them and we're trying to use that to weigh in on our thinking, that, that does not mean that we're where we ought to be. We are supposed to continue to try to go. Paul himself said, not as though I had already attained. He said, I press toward the mark. And when you look at Paul's life outside of Jesus Christ, Paul is just mind-boggling to study his life. I mean, it's just unbelievable what he accomplished for the kingdom of God. Uh, his dedication, he said, I'm not even going to marry. I'm going to give myself unto the Lord. I, all I'm going to do is seek after the things of God. He, he even made that one statement that time about, for me to live is Christ. He was saying that when I walk in that town, it's as if Jesus Christ walked into that town. Wow, is that mind-boggling? And he didn't say it with an arrogant attitude. He was just saying, I know that God's got his hand upon me. You know, I wonder what would have happened to us if we really believed that God had his hand on us. What would we attempt to do if we knew God would back us up? <laughs> what would you do tomorrow? If you knew just whatever you, wherever you put your foot, God was going to give it to you. You ever think about that? Just, just what, what would you try for God if you really believed that he was, had his hand upon you? That it, just like he told Joshua, no man's going to be able to stand before you all the days of your life. What would you attempt for God? But see, as long as I'm worrying about two plus two is four, I can't get out here and try anything for God. I'm still trying to get my little blocks all together here. And what happens a lot of times, I'm just being honest with you tonight, that sometimes I, I feel like we, all we do is get the blocks stacked on Sunday. And before we get back Wednesday, somebody done knocked them all over. And so we got to stack all the blocks up again. And then before we get back Sunday, we knock them over. So, so we never get, we just keep putting the blocks up, taking them down, putting the blocks up, and taking them down. We, we've somehow got to grow. We've somehow got to mature. And let, let me say this. Everybody doesn't mature at the same level. This is very true. 
Do children walk at the same age? No. Some children walk real soon. Others don't. But you know what? When they're five, you can't tell who did and who didn't. You know, in other words, and so if somebody new comes in, once again, let me just say it as kind and nice. Don't tell them nothing but love them. I don't care how they dress or how they look. Don't worry about it. Let, let me worry about it. Because I've known people got killed off because somebody thought, well, man, they've been here six months. They ought to be walking and running and have Einstein knowledge by now. They may not. They, the Lord may have had them just up there knowing what they've been through in their past. He may just been building them up all this time. So once again, people are going to mature. But I will say this. When you've been in the church 23 years like I have, and you're still crawling, there's something wrong. You know, I mean, obviously at some point everybody develops at a different stage. But it's bad. Matter of fact, there's something wrong. We know there's something wrong with a child at a certain age. You start realizing the motor skill is not developed. That they're they're not talking. They're not in other words, you begin to recognize it's not the end of the world. You just recognize there's a problem. The real truth is, and, and we really can't do it because nobody can receive it. If we really could sit down and somebody that was our friend that loved us and and really got out the fruit of the spirit and would be honest with you about how you doing on that, uh, it'd be kind of hard to take it sometimes. Or worse than that, the works of the flesh. See, because we're supposed to not have the works of the flesh, supposed to have the fruit of the Spirit. But if our friend, somebody that loved us, that we knew wasn't trying to hurt us, if we could let them sit down and kind of help us, where do we really stand? Because you know what? We don't see ourselves as others see us. We sure don't see ourselves probably as the Lord sees us. And so we're trying to understand that we're supposed to grow. And I've known people in my life and my experience that I didn't recognize at first. And even when I was a new convert in Shreveport, before long, I began to realize, and once again, and i not trying to judge, but you can help but notice that some people that had been in the church a long, long time still had some fundamental problems. See, and that's a sign that something's wrong. Now, the good news is it wasn't none of my business. You know, it all, almost wanted me to make me want to pray more. Lord, if, if they've been around the church a long time and they're still having these fundamental problems, I, I want to grow. It motivated me to get a relationship with God. Now, I'll tell you what really motivated me, really, though. I saw Brother Eccles. Brother Valentine, Brother Hudson. I saw the three or four people that I saw them walking in the light. And I thought, Lord, I didn't look at the negative. I looked at the positive. That's what I want, God. I want to have that relationship with you. I want to be able to come and lift up holy hands without wrath or doubting. I, I want to be able to come uh, and search my heart every day. And so when church time comes, Lord, there's just such a spirit of thanksgiving flowing out of me. I, I want to live a life that so I looked at those people and, and we have to be careful looking at people. They weren't perfect, but I saw that they had really grown in the Lord. And unfortunately, other people had not grown in the Lord. And so I'm not I'm not teaching this not for you to start looking at other people. I want you to get the mirror out and look at yourself. Where do I stand? See, not, not where somebody else is. You know, 
I, I'm, I'm kind of hoping God graves on the curve, you know. Uh, we know he's not on fundamental things, but the truth is, you see, none of us is exactly the same. Your weakness may not phase me at all. And it's real easy when I see somebody's got a weakness I don't have, it's real easy to say, like, isn't that just pitiful? Really, you know, that's just, just, that's just terrible. And yet, I might have a little insignificant fault. See, that's the way I look at it. You know, it's just a minor little thing, you know. And so, it's easy to look at somebody else. You know what's scary, though? See, to the Lord, one sin's as bad as another. So, you know, telling a little white lie is just like committing adultery to God. Wow. It's a scary thought, ain't it? Everybody in hell ain't going to be Saddam Hussein or Hitler. You know, I, I, I hate the thought of some good people I know that if what I understand is right, they're in trouble with God. And they were good people. And I'm, I'm telling you right now, I, I don't mind telling you, I hope God lets everybody in. I'll just tell you right now, I got lost loved ones. I got people I know and I care about. I can't find that in the Bible. But if it was my vote, that's my vote. God just let everybody in. But you see, the Bible says straight is the gate and narrow is the way and few there be that find it. So if you have found the way, we sing that song, I have found the way that leads to something other, eternal day. I'm glad I found the, the way. But you know what? It ain't enough to find it. You got to keep it. Anybody ever lose weight? I've probably lost 2,000 pounds in my life. Matter of fact, I probably lost more than that. But you know what? I keep finding it. See? And so it's not enough to one time achieve. And so here we are, uh, and we've got to understand. And when somebody new comes in, they've, they've got to be taught. And it's got to be caught to a certain degree. I'm saying when people come in, a lot of people, you never have to tell them much. You know why? They just get to looking around, and they notice how we are. And, and, and there's a desire in their heart because they've got the Holy Ghost, and they're wanting to please God. And all of a sudden, they, they just start amazingly just beginning to look like sheep. You know? Now, a lot of people don't. Some people, I, I guess their eyesight ain't good, so you have to get it out. And you know, you know what? I'm I, I'm kind of a one of those. I like to just hint about something. You know, you know what I mean, brother Shane. <laughs> you know, I, I I try to, you know, present it in a way that a word to the wise is sufficient. But you know what? Some people don't get it like that. You know, some people. You know, some children, you could walk into their room, if you could get in the room, and you could walk in there and say, you know, this is a nice room you have here, that, you know, it'd be nice if you had room, you know, for a chair or a friend, you know, and that child that's probably got the room like that, they're just thinking, I don't want a chair, you know, so to that child, you have to look him in the eyeball and say, I want the room cleaned up or there's going to be trouble. They don't catch the, the hidden meaning. 
And so I, I must confess that, that uh, a lot of times I, I'm, I'm trying to present something in, in a way that, that people that are sincere and hungry, I hope, will grasp what I'm saying. And yet, for some reason, some people don't, because in our very crowd here tonight, I have been preaching before, knowing that I was preaching to a few people in particular. I can't help but know. That's why it's wonderful to go off and preach. You don't know nobody. You can just preach anything and point with any finger, and you ain't pointing at nobody. But here, you know, if you say something, then if you know somebody's been doing it. But I've had a few times, I mean, I was preaching on something, and, and the very ones I was talking to, going, amen, amen. And I thought, I guess they're missing the point here. Or they don't think it's them. It's always, don't you wish sister so-and-so was here? She needed to hear that. Some of y'all probably already thought that tonight. Boy, I wish so-and-so was here. They needed to hear that about the judgment. And the, God knew who was going to be here. He knew who needed to hear it. And yet, uh, as I begin to grow, but here's the deal. Once you get in the kingdom of God, once you're born again, God leaves it a lot up to you. If you're satisfied, I know y'all probably don't know who baby Huey is, but if you're just satisfied to be a six-foot-tall duck wearing a diaper with a bottle, you know what? The Lord will just pretty much let you stay there, you know? But the truth is, God's desire is for us to grow. I'm supposed to become like Him. And we know that we're never going to be like Him, but I'm supposed to be trying to be like Him. But you know how you become like Him the most? Spend time with Him. See, when you spend a lot of time with somebody, unconsciously you begin to develop some of the same habits. You see it in children all the time. They'll... they'll talk the way the parent does or walk the way the parent does or answer the phone the same way they do uh, because they've been around them. And, of course, if you study his word, uh, I saw a, a church sign this week that said, it's not enough to read the book. You need to know the author. thought that was a good sign. It's not enough just to read the book. And so we're supposed to grow. How do we do that? Paul said, when I was a child, I spake as a child, I thought as a child. He said, but I had to put away childish things. In other words, there comes a point, if I'm going to grow, I have to understand that I can't let simple pleasures dominate my thinking. See, a child, their only thought is mine, me, I want it. See, that, that, that's the, the child. So when I begin to grow, I have to understand that I've got to put away some childish things. And I can't be turned by every false doctrine, every wind that I hear. In other words, I've got to have such an understanding that if anything is contrary to the foundational blocks I have, I want no part of it. See, if it's contrary to that. Now, if it's not contrary to it, then I might can study it. But if somebody comes up and tells me they had a dream, and in this dream a spirit spoke to them and, and said that, you know, you don't have to be baptized in Jesus' name, I don't, I don't have to hear nothing else. That conversation's over as far as I'm concerned because that violates the Word of God. I don't care how many dreams they have. I don't care if they can do signs, wonders, and miracles. See, we're living in a world today that if they see faith in operation, let me tell you, Faith and salvation is two different things. 
There are people being healed that do not know who Jesus really is. They're healed by Jesus. They have faith in the word of God that he'll do what he said he would do. And so there's people, when they see a bona fide miracle by somebody having faith, they're going to follow that person. Before I go to the tent or before I go to the charismatic center, I don't care if they're raising them from the dead. I want to know, do they know who Jesus is? Do they understand that there's separation between God's people and the world? See, I, I don't care how much fire, because the Antichrist is going to call fire down out of heaven. And our generation is going to follow the false prophets because they're going to be taken in because of the signs, wonders, and miracles. So you better get a foundation and understand what it's all about. And so we've got to put away childish things. You have got to overcome temptation. It may take you, you may have got to, you may have beat it the night you repented. Other people have struggled for a long time. But at some point you've got to overcome that temptation. If you're ever going to grow in the Lord, you're only going to get so high as long as you keep, you're going to have to beat down that thing that, that constantly comes against you. And I'm going to tell you, you're going to have to beat it down. And then you're going to have to keep it dead. Uh, Rudger Kipling, the author, wrote a book, Beating Back the Jungle, and how they lived in the jungle, and how they, there's just a way that the bush had of growing up close to the camp, and they didn't want the snakes and the wild animals. So they had to regularly go out and pull up and hoe and make sure that they kept that area around the camp clean because the jungle had a way of getting in on them. You better understand the world has a way of coming in on you. And if you don't develop a prayer life, and, and if you don't learn how to worship God when those times of refreshing come, like, like Sunday night, man, if you're not getting soaking that up like a sponge, I'm going to tell you that the jungle's going to overtake you. And so you're going to fight that battle. And then you've got to develop some personal understanding. You know what's saying? A lot of Pentecostal people couldn't really tell you why they believe what they believe. That's what's saying. Uh, it's good that they've accepted it. It's good that they're obeying it. But you see, they couldn't really sit down with somebody and tell why. And I want you to know, when you're basing your life on somebody else's experience or somebody else's knowledge, you're in trouble because you're finally going to get in a situation that, that you don't know the answer and you don't know why and all the wherefores. And, and so that's why it's important you study the Word of God. Listen to some tapes. There's so much stuff available nowadays. You know one of the great things? We are living in the information day. Man, we got all kind of tapes. You can get on doctrine, all kind of tapes. on Anything you want to get. If you don't like to read, you've got all kind of material. But if you will get knowledge is power, folks. Don't ever doubt that knowledge is power. Uh, they used to tell that old story about big machinery broke down. Couldn't nobody fix it in the factory. They called a guy from Cleveland, Ohio to fly down to the Delta. And he, he goes in there. He looks at the machine. He says, try to start it up. He listens. He pulls out a little screwdriver, a little hammer, places it at one point, taps it, hits it, said, try it again. Boy, the machine starts working. Said that'd be five thousand dollars. 
They said, $5,000. You wasn't here but two minutes. He said, yeah, but if I hadn't come, it'd still be just sitting there. I had knowledge. I knew where to hit. I knew how hard to hit. And uh, I had the expertise to use what I knew. Knowledge is power. And when the devil gets to tempting you, if you can beat him just like Jesus did. He said, it is written. It is written. When you're being tempted, get you some scriptures that you begin to quote. I'm going to tell you, it works. Get you some songs that really move you and begin to sing that when you're feeling temptation. You will overcome. And, of course, we're supposed to strive. Ephesians 4, 13, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That is our goal. And, and I said this Sunday, and everybody wasn't in here. Let, let me say it again. If somebody has got a conviction that you don't have, don't ever make fun of their conviction. And if somebody don't have the one you have, don't ever look down on them. That is, you ought to have some personal conviction. There ought to be some things that, that you just have settled in your own mind. may not be heaven or hell, but you've made it to God or you just feel like this is what you want to do. Uh, the old timers, I, I've, I was reading a book, and I, I guess I'll tell you who it was. It's really a good book, Tommy Tenney, and uh, it's called God Chasers. And if I hadn't have known him, I really would have enjoyed the book. He, he used to be amongst us, and now he's out in the charismatic world. But he made the statement. It was so great. He said, we used to make fun of my grandmother because she didn't drink coffee. He said, now I feel so bad about that because anything I can do to draw close to God. Well, that was a good statement. That is true. If somebody says they're not going to drink coffee, don't make fun of them about that. Hey, if they're doing that unto the Lord. And so we have to understand, folks, that we're striving. And God may require of you something that he doesn't require of everybody. Or some people are, are somehow willing to take a chance, I guess. You know, I believe without mercy none of us is going to make it. But I believe the Bible said strive to enter in. Strive means try. It means earnestly putting forth effort. I believe it means doing everything you know to do and can do. I don't think it just means, well, God, I'm just, you know, it's just the way I am, and boy, there's mercy, and we're just going to all float on in there. I, I don't want to live my life that way. I've only got one life to live. And so here we are, and I, I'm trying to wind her down here. The mature first few months, you see dramatic improvement. Really, you go to lifting weights or go start jogging or something. The first two, three, four, six months, immediately you see. From there on, it's a little bit slower, but you're continuing to improve. But we are supposed to improve in fruitfulness. He said, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. How much fruit are you producing? See, that is still the proof of where you stand with God, the fruit of the Spirit. How much fruit are you putting? Do you have love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, temperance? See, do you have that operating in your life? See, because there is no law against any of that. And then through the Word, you know, 1 Peter 2 and 2 said, As newborn babes desire the sin-sealed milk of the Word that ye may grow thereby. 
But after I understand the basics, there's, there's so much to the Word of God. We're never going to learn all the Word of God. You're never going to get all the treasure out of the Bible. See, there ought to be some hunger. And then, of course, in love. Uh, I'm supposed to grow in love. Do I have more tolerance and love people more now than I did 23 years ago? Or have I got to the point, because I'm not messing up as much, I'm more critical of others? You know, in my observation, and I, and I say this kindly and nicely, people that have never made any outward physical mess-ups have real problems a lot of times being tolerant because they've never done it in their own life. Because they, they always had their head on straight. They never got involved in saying, what a great testimony. You know, I, I'm glad my, my wife, she never smoked, never drank, never did nothing. Hey, that's a great testimony. But yet, you can't allow that to get you to where you're not. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll say this about my wife. She's been real patient with me, needless to say. But in Cleveland, all those the new people would come in, do good, and they'd fall off the wagon, do all this bad stuff two or three or four times. She got more frustrated with them than I did. And I thought, hun, you've shown me. Man, I fall off the wagon so many times. But see, her love for me, see, was a little deeper than it was for them. After we'd helped them three or four, six, eight, ten times, they still did the same thing. She was just going like, I don't know what we're going to do with them. I said, we're just going to keep loving them. That's what God does for us. See? And so you that have praised the Lord, always been on the straight and narrow, what a great testimony you have. But don't look down on somebody that, that's had ups and downs. Hey, God's working with all of us. And the truth is, and I sure can't afford to get an attitude. That attitude, if I get a hold of that attitude, I'm probably worse off in God's sight than the drunkard is. I'm just telling you the truth. I would rather stand before God with an alcohol problem than a holy than thou problem, a Pharisee problem. I would. I'd rather just stand there and say, God, you know, I just, I love you, Lord. I just kept trying to quit than me to be that Pharisee on the corner. Boy, I'm glad I ain't like that guy. Man, I, I pay tithes on everything I get. I fast three times a week. Praise God. I run miles every Sunday night. That heathen over there. See, you know who went home justified? The poor man beating his chest said, I'm a sinner. Have mercy on me. So when we come to the house, Lord, so we're blending all these different personalities, see, here in the church. And we need all of you. Praise God. We need y'all that ain't never deviated. Hallelujah. To be a good example. Praise Lord. And we need some of us that's kind of had some ups and downs in and out. So when somebody stumbles, we can put our arm around them and say, hey, it's not the end of the world. Praise God. Just get up and let's run again. Hey, I'm going to tell you, God's a merciful God. In other words, we need everybody in the kingdom of God. But understand that we're trying to grow. We're trying to mature. We're trying to be pleasing unto God. Well, don't y'all come to the music here. In the Lord good. The Lord is good. I, I really do believe, sincerely in my heart, if you'll just try, God will work with you. If you'll just try. Don't quit. Just come to church. If you had a bad day today, don't stay home. If you did something you shouldn't do, don't, don't stay home. You need to come to the to the Lord. You know the best time if you, you ever find out the kids that spilled something on the carpet they didn't tell you because they thought you was going to get mad. But see if they'd have told you when they spilt it you could have got it up. 
but you let it stay down there for about four days, and you almost can't get it up. When you recognize something's not right, don't say, well, come camp meeting. I'm going to get a good touch of God. You need to go right now and deal with the problem. Lord, I want you to forgive me right now. I want to scrub that stain away. Why don't we stand tonight? Why don't we close our eyes and just get our mind on the Lord just for a minute? Talk to the Lord. Jesus, help us, Lord, tonight. We're trying. God, we're trying, Lord. We have a long ways to go, Lord. We're not what we ought to be. But I want to be like you, Lord. I want to be like you, Lord. Oh, God, don't give up on me, Holy Ghost. I want to grow in grace and knowledge. Merciful God, you're a mighty God. 